Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Gilbert Clark. He's the executive chairman for Meridian Mining. Caught up with him in January. Wanted an update on uh, his efforts to sort out the share register. He gave us his uh, thoughts on that today. Um, Geophysics um, uh, underway, also a drill program. Um, we talked to him about uh, their use of XRF versus assays and how it is doing business in Brazil right now. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, topics discussed on the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis as commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including copper and gold. Plus, we've got training courses on that to help you with your diligence process. We've got summaries of all of our interviews to save you some time because we know you're busy. Uh, but why not also go there and join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from judgment, trolling or abuse. Uh, I hope you think that sounds nice because it is. So that's at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Gilbert, how are you, sir? I'm very well, Matt. Thank you very much for having me today. Okay. And uh, are you still down in the south of France? Indeed, I am. I uh, typically I take the morning off because I work on sort of Canadian hours. So I went out, did a quick couple of hours on the bike. Very happy. Very cold outside, but it was it was worth getting out. Good. Well, that's the home of cycling. It seems every time we're down, we've got a house down there as well, and you know every time we are down there, the bikes everywhere in glorious. Oh sunshine. yeah, we, uh, there's a lot of pros live down here actually. Um, so we see the the pro cyclists all the time. So they just zip past you. But. <laughs> what do you do? You, you, and you're hanging off the back, aren't you? Is that the way it works? <laughs> you can't even hang off the back of those guys. No. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah I, was on, I was on the Peloton myself this weekend. I can barely walk Tuesday. Uh, I'm aiming too high, obviously. <laughs> well, look, hey, look, I just wanted to catch up with you. We, we spoke at the end of January. I was intrigued by... Uh, what you walked into and the process you were going through and sort of, uh, you know, cleaning it up and, and building something quite interesting. Um, we should maybe kick off first with a, a summary, one minute overview of what it is that you've got for people new to this, people coming into this story afresh, and then I'll pick it up from there, okay? Okay, so um, Rudin TSXV listed, we picked up a project last year called Cabasal. Uh, it's a volcanic massive sulfide project on a camp scale. Um, it was mined back in the 80s by the majors, that was BP Minerals and Rio Tinto, and they just focused on the high-grade gold. And the project itself is actually a, quite a large copper gold project. So what we've gone through in the last couple of months is basically let's look at this as a bulk mining scenario, very good grades, go through, test the concept, and grow the value of our equities. And since we've last spoken, we've had really great success um, for me, it's sort of confirmation because we had the data and we've proven that we've got quite a significant now uh, copper gold mineralization in the in the around the historical area and outside of the areas. But you, you, I mean, thanks for something. Okay, um, I just want to and look and people should go back and um, look at the previous interview in January. We went through um, the detail of the the business plan, the strategy, the team, the, the historic uh, component. And I think you laid that out quite nicely and clearly. But you had a few challenges ahead of you because you didn't walk into a nice, clean scenario. You had to sort a few yeah. things out. So let, let, let's let's talk about one of those things um, out of the game. We'll get into the asset in a second, which was this overhang. 
I mean, have you yeah. been able to do anything about that? Yeah, look, we're, like, we're very active in our management of equities and we had a couple of two groups um, who were historical shareholders. They owned circa about uh, quite a lot, nearly 15% of the company. And to be honest, they were natural sellers. So it's very hard to sort of entice people to invest in our company, acquire the equities if there's somebody selling it. So as we progressed the project and we grew the value from the, um, of the last couple of months and the equities became traded and we had great liquidity, we approached these two groups and said, listen guys, um, we knew from previous conversations they wanted to divest. That was a historical fund that was had uh, funded the company for the last seven years and the uh, management company of the previous manager of the fund. So we approached them and we said, guys, how about this? Let's, if you just trickle into the, into the, into the market, the, the company's never going to grow. You're, you won't get a good volume. You won't get a good price. So we actually spoke to some key shareholders and we said, look, we want to get a syndicate together to cross these guys off because they're an overhang. And we also had one other shareholder who actually came in one of the private placements. I'm glad he made some money, but um, he was again day trading and he had a large number of warrants. So all at once what we did, we crossed the last remainder of the free trading stock of the fund uh, and of the ex-fund manager. And we asked the, the other shareholder if he'd like to convert his warrants. He converted his warrants and we crossed them also. So that big block of very free trading um, equities, we actually placed in the hands that we knew. And that was good. These are long-term holders. They've been in every private placement. So we were very happy with that. So that just cleaned up that last bit of, you know, free trading stock that could be a problem once we start drilling resorts. And um, what can I say? We were very happy with it. Yeah, so it seems to have worked. Looking, looking at the, the charts and the numbers there, so it seems to have worked. So it's a relatively simple process because you're only talking about a, a couple of parties. Um, then it's had a positive effect on the share price. So, so that's good news. Um, I guess that's one thing off the, off the list of things to be worried about. Mm. Let, let's, let's, talk about let's talk about the asset and what you're sure. doing there. Because it's, I say, it's got some history. Um, you had a bit of, you've got a lot of historic data, but you've kind of also got to take control of this thing and, and, and plot your way forward. So is, is it what you thought it was? Are there, what are the, what are the barriers for you? What are the um, problems you're trying to solve there? Um. It is, to be honest, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, it, it's, it hasn't, for me, you know, I'm a professional in this industry, didn't have surprises for me when we went through and started drilling it because I'd seen the data. And I knew that when I went to drill this, um, the historical workings where they took out the high-grade gold, okay, that high-grade gold's gone, but that bulk copper envelope remains. And I was going, that's just fantastic. So what we did is we set out to get the permits. We knew what the timeline was and the permits was. Um, our management team knew that. We corresponded the time to the market. We delivered. And then we rolled out the drill program. And, okay, we went, in our first program, we're going <clears> to <throat> not risk our capital by sort of doing wildcats. We'll do, go into zones. We know there's no mining. And, bang, drilled and intercepted the, the mineralized horizons that we were seeking on target at depth. And it's, it's sort of interesting for some of the junior geologists saying we're pulling out this sulphide core and they're going, wow, and it's really interesting. And I said, well, that typically doesn't happen in an exploration company. They'll draw thousands and thousands of kilometres and find a discovery. We're not risking that. We're going straight into known mineralised envelopes. We know they've got copper, they're gold bearing, they're silver bearing, they're zinc. It's just part of the process that we're doing. 
it was really quite good. Very, very exciting. So it's what you expected and you're not doing anything too risky. I'm trying to, I'm trying to work out because the companies can come out this and say, right, I'm going to go after this in the best possible way that a geologist would just trying to map out and understand the area. But I get you, you've got a lot of historic data so you can go to the sort of com- more comfortable areas where you know you're going to get mineralization. That's great for the market, but what's that balance of doing the right thing for the project, irrespective of you know, your mm. your concerns of managing the narrative in the marketplace? Well, we've, at the same time, we've been talking with our, the group we think will uh, appoint as the resource um, calculating group, and they'll say, look, how many how many holes do you have to twin so we can use all of those 400 drill holes, that, the ones that we recovered, of course. And they say, look, you know, somewhere between 10 to 15%. So that what we're going to do is we're going to go through that all that drill hole database. I'm just going to go, okay, this is a high-grade zone, we'll twin that. This is a low-grade zone, we'll twin that. And what that does if we can look at that statistically, we can then take the, our independent person and say, yes, I agree, these numbers are correct. And then we can take that drill hole database, that asset and all that invested capital that went into that and transfer that value onto our equities without having going to raise all the, all the money needed to do 400 drill holes. And that's what really does. It's growing the equity value through, through the known knowledge. Right. So I get that. So but give me a bit more in terms of, how you're targeting this, you know, um, you know, the size, this, what you know about the size of the horizon right now, you know, how you build up this picture because the, you're working towards 43101. You've got to come to market with something mm-hmm. quite positive given this is, a, you know, this is an old story which is being re- rebooted in a way, right? So, yeah. you know, so you're going to have. That's quite correct. It's an it's it's an old mine, but they sort of focused on the gold, the high grade gold, and they said, okay, look, this zone to the north or this zone to the southeast, we won't mine that because we won't drill it up because it's copper dominated and it's got less gold. So it might, instead of having three gram gold, it might have only had one or half a gram or one and a half gram gold. So we're actually going to expand into those areas that weren't ever drilled out, but they were known, and actually try to increase our resource. We know it our bullseye is and now we're just adding another ring around the bullseye of extension because we and this is the benefit that we've had recently by bringing on the ex-chief geologist and the ex-seen underground mine geologist as our advisors and they say yep drill there that's open drill there that's open so it's really important but it is but to to what end you're extending the size of the the um yeah but what what are you you gaining what are you gaining in knowledge What what are you trying to how are you trying to position yourself in the market? Um, what do you think you need to come to the market and say for them to get interested in the story again? Uh, it really comes down to what a VMS camp is, because what we're going to do is prove up this large VMS deposit. And in the VMS camps, you don't have one, you have multiples along strike, and it just makes it larger and larger and larger. And these assets, these type of deposits, what they bring to the market and what they've done historically is that for these uh, operational companies in Canada or Australia who have been for decades mining VMS projects, it brings stability to their balance sheet. They are mid-tier companies, and this is a mid-tier district-scale asset, and that's what we're going to value up for our investors. We're developing a mid-tier asset, a VMS belt of copper, gold, lead, zinc, silver. And, and that's just something that is not in the market. Nobody's got an asset like this. We've tried to find comparisons of areas where the, the low-hanging fruit, the open pit dirt is still there, where the 
our upside has, has been first past delineated and not defined. That's what we've got. It's, it's a really amazing story to, that this asset, this Cabasol project, this copper gold project, has been hidden from the public markets in a private co or in the archives of Rio Tinto for 30 years since discovery. It's just an amazing, great, it's fantastic for us to be able to, you know, acquire that at an amazingly discounted price. And then our investors are going to grow with us as our equities grow in the future with delivering results on this camp scale project. Right. But in your eagerness, are you you taking shortcuts? Because I notice uh, you're using XRF. You're not doing assays. Why is that? No, no. um, That's a good good question. Actually, the XRF, we've had a few queries about that. Look, historically, what would happen is you'd, um, prior to XRF, you'd say, look, we've got um, uh, sulfide mineralization. We can see chaka pyrite, uh, pyrite, purit. These are are metal sulfides. but you don't really know they're cuperiferous if they're containing copper, which pirate does, of course, or they're gold or the silver. You can't always see this. So by using the XRF, we could confirm that within these brexiated, these um, disseminated zones, or these little semi-massive veins of, of, of sulfides, we put the XRF on that into a known horizon that we think is going to be dominant in copper. And it says, yes, it is. And it's, so it confirms not only in real time, not sort of sending waiting weeks for assays that confirmed in real time that we hit the target zone. The target zone was dominant in copper and had grades of copper, uh, gold, silver and zinc. We, we published that recently. Um, we actually had higher numbers within the XRF, but that's... that's so we just we, we put out a conservative XRF, which is on the point, but it proved to us that they the low-hanging fruit of dispersed copper gold mineralization is intact and it's there. And it just, it was, that was a fantastic day for us actually. It was that, that drill hole, um, a particularly drill hole four that came in last Friday, literally came in during the board meeting. Um, I woke up on Saturday, I had no stress. <laughs> the proof of concept, everything was just timing for us. But how accurate are those things? Because I think you're talking about 13% copper and 34 gram per tonne uh, gold in there, and I think silver is, what, 29, 30 grams per tonne. I mean, is are we, how much store? Because I know the market wants to see assays. That's their threshold, mm. proper way to do things. XRF? Yeah. XRF, it's, it's, if the machine is correctly calibrated on that point where it's at, at assays, where it does the examination, it is, it is very accurate. Um, of course, what you have to then do is take all those veins you can see in the, in, the, in the photos that we published, they're disseminated, they're brexiated. You amalgamate over the 10, 10 metres and our expectation is this is a 4 to 5% copper zone and that's what I'm going to try and target in the assays. We get 4 to 5% assays replicating the historical assays that were uh, both uh, to the northwest and to the southeast of that drill hole. So, you know, we sort of went, okay, this is a copper gold zone that's going to go 4 or 5% copper, <clears throat> um, uh, up to anything up to about 2.5 grams gold because the gold's concentrated in the, in the chalcopyrite. Bang, you're right. And that, to do the XRF, was important to our investors to know that, yes, the sulfides we are hitting, right, demonstrating that they're cuperiferous, they're auriferous, they contain silver and lead and zinc. And in, in the uh, percentage relationships that we saw in the actual historical assays, it's, it's really important for us to be able to do that. Okay, so you, those are the, the big issues I wanted to you know, address and then be able to you know, set to one mm-hmm. side, so I'll set them to one side. Um, Cabasal 
is you've got a lot of historic data. You're working towards the 43-101. What, what, what should we be looking out for in terms of where you're spending your money, where, where the effort is going in, where you think the value is going to be created? And the kind of big so what moment for retail is, is you know, what's the, what's the upside? Uh, look, we are, we are putting our money into a equipment and into the into the ground. We've recently just agreed to purchase a very powerful EM survey equipment, which is going to help for us to delineate the, the mineralised envelope um, assays. That's what we're going to deliver next to the market. Show the guys. Look, we said this was going to go 12 metres at X, Y, Z. We have produced 11.5 or 12.5 at X, Y, Z. With a, that's what we have to use because then we can say, guys, the greater part of this body has been defined and we can now use our information, modern information, to calculate that resource. And it's going to be quite a, a reasonable resource. And most importantly about this, this resource is not going to be 500 metres down below. It's going to start 20 metres from the surface and it's going to grow. And this is, and on top of that, and I always hark on this with my investors, our metallurgy, metallurgy is key because metallurgy will drive your valuation, drive your economics of your mind. Our metallurgy is fantastic. Okay. It really is one of the hidden sciences that really drives values. Okay. So talk to me about timing, talk to me about spend and, you know, and, okay, what you're, what I'm hearing is you're saying when you put out a 43-101, they're going to be good numbers, your expectation, because this is so far delivering what you thought it would and I guess you hope it will continue to deliver what you think it uh, can. But time, money, w- what are we looking at? Well, we've got um, we're fully funded on this program, and actually uh, today, today we're actually even better funded because in the last uh, three months we've had nearly over nearly a million Canadian dollars in warrants converted. So that's fantastic. Our, our shareholders, so we're better funded than we were when we started the program. Um, fully program, fully funded. Um, our timing is to continue drilling it up until the third quarter of next of this year and potentially past that because we, if we keep discovering more mineralization, we're not going to stop drilling and say, okay, we'll stop the drilling now and produce a resource statement that doesn't represent the entirety of the mineralization. Um, uh, equipment, we've, we've um, really investing a lot into the ground. We've got quite a sizable camp there now. Actually, it's not really a camp, it's a small mining centre. Um, courtyards, engaging with our local communities. It's, it's a lot of companies just sort of say, look, put your money into the drill and forget about everything else. Well, you, in Brazil, you work with, work with your neighbours. You have to actually say, okay, look, this is what we're going to do. So we're uh, improving our access roads, which then benefits the local communities, you know, cattle, cattle management. It's, it's part of the things. At the same time, when we're deploying money in, in, into the ground, now, we need equipment, so we're actually then using equipment from the local farming community. So they're benefiting from our investments, generating goodwill, and that really is quite a key for us when we go down the track of getting further permits. We've seen some pretty um, hairy-looking COVID death numbers coming out of Brazil. I mean, mm. how has business been affected by COVID? Is it because there's been a resurgence, it seems. Yeah, well, we've done a couple of things there. Um, we're, we're not actually in any of the big cities. We're out in the, like I said, in the, in the southwest of Brazil. Um, there is COVID has been present there. There has been deaths in COVID, very unfortunately. Um, we've got pretty strict protocols in place, as everyone does. Um, they, the numbers coming out of Brazil, um, it, it's sad that these people have passed away, but 
it kind of be comparable to the numbers that come out of the European Union. That, that's just unfortunately a statistical um, fact. Um, we, we've actually had um, some of the guys, some of our high risk guys, like the elderly guys, our field and our field technicians. Um, we've actually managed them quite well. We don't send them into town. They stay away from the community. So it's all about managing it. At the same time, what we've done is limited the number of um, uh, drilling teams. So we could have had two rigs going 48 hours. And I'm going, guys, you're doubling the amount of people coming in and out of the project. So we said, no, let's just keep it down to um, two, two rigs, single shifting. We're now actually, because of the success of the drill program, we're actually bringing in another drill rig. So we'll have three shifts, um, but that'll be managed. It, uh, COVID is, is, has not stopped us. Um, we've worked to the time frames of what the, the authorities say we can, and we're pumping out, pumping out calls. So we're achieving our, our targets, not taking risks with our people. Okay. Um, read that you are doing some geophysics. You talked about it briefly there, but just tell me a little bit more about why. What are you using it for? What are you, what are you hunting uh, for? Well, we, we just finished um, and we just released today, um, or on Monday, we just released the, the, the surface geophysics. It was the first service program of, of some modern equipment. Um, it's not optimal equipment, but it was modernish. And what that found us is that it gave us a, a, a conductor, and that's a a result of the electromagnetic survey. And that conductor was quite interesting because it was centred on the uh, disseminated and brexited sulphide mineralization of Cabasal and it pushed it further to the south that we did not know about, which was very positive. Now, what's interesting about that is that it was um, in a, they're done in frequencies. It was in a higher frequency anomaly. And typically what's happened across the region of the Cabasal is they never looked at these high frequency anomalies. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at these high frequency anomalies, look across the entire survey that's been done. If there's a high frequency anomaly associated with a soil anomaly of copper and gold, then we're going to take a very close look at that because that gives us the potential to have another copper center. And this is just, and that's data we don't have to pay for. We, we've actually got that data. We're just going to reinterpret it. So that gives us another sort of uh, vectoring for, for exploration in the greater belt of Cabasal. It's really quite exciting. At the same time, what we've done, it's the first time it's been done on this project, and it's a typical tool for VMS exploration. Is you, you, drill, you drill a hole, uh, 200 metres, quite shallow in this instance, and you actually put an electromagnetic tool down the hole and it searches for a conductor. And this is a typical way of discovering or delineating what it does for us, it provides de-risking for further targets. And we had a very nice conductor in that southern copper zone. So that's another thing. I mean, it's just, okay, look, the southern copper zone's there. We've now got a volume. We know how, what the X, Y, Z is going to be. And we can go and follow it up with further drilling. No, okay, there's a conductor. There's a drill hole. We can now infill that and bring it up to a higher certainty of geological knowledge. Okay. Given this is what you thought it would be, given so therefore you've had time to, to plan this, plan your uh, attack, as it were, uh, on this. What's what should we be looking for next from you? What, what what are the next bits of information that you're going to be putting out? Give us some degree of confidence that you know that perhaps you have now. Mm. Well, our our go forward plan 
is to keep drilling and the, the, the known intercepts, okay? Bring up that geological certainty, then starts expanding that because we've got some other targets that are very high priority targets. So we're going to not risk our capital, not risk our equities, just keep focusing and building our knowledge and, and building that certainty. And then at the same time, we're not taking off the eye of the ball because we've looked at the historical information that all the information we're giving us, so the reports, historical exploration reports, and we've gone out and said, hang on, um, this is our focus, the Cabasol Belt, where's our growth assets? After, after we've started proving up that, where's our growth assets? We've now identified and acquired another uh, 580 square kilometres of tenement over the two adjoining greenstone belts. Now, a greenstone belt is, um, if you go to Western Australia, you'd be very lucky to ever acquire 580 square kilometres of a greenstone belt because they're all pegged. Greenstone belts are the copper gold riches of Western Australia and the, in this case in um, Brazil. Why we're lucky to do that is we could look at that historical regional exploration data of BP and we go Tinto and say, well, that's had the first pass of, of certainty of exploration. These are high priority groups that we want to acquire. So we're the, you know, it's first mover, but using knowledge. Brilliant. Okay. Look, Gilbert, I just wanted to get an update from you, see how you, you, you get yeah. in, because I know you, you, we talked last time, you, you had a lot, a lot of work to do. You've you, you checked off a few of those boxes for me. I'm like, stay, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on with that. Um, Definitely. Yeah. That will do. And we'll speak soon. I hope I'll be able to present you in a couple of weeks some quite ex exciting um, asset results. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.